Abba, living under living water, or don't even bother, 
unless you're living under living water. Thank you for a people set apart to be faithful priests. A people that love you more than their own souls. Working for the Lord and not for men. Working for the Lord and not for our family. Working for the Lord and not for ourselves. Working for the Lord ministries. That we may be a faithful priesthood serving the Holy Ghost with our bodies. If you read the book of Revelation, the book of Revelation says that they shall be judged according to the works that they've done in their bodies. That's exactly what the Bible says. And we're interested in that because we want a great judgment. Judgment is payday in Scripture. Judgment is not a negative thing for the righteous, but how they get their inheritance. The Bible says your judgments are great and your judgments are true. I love your commandments, all of them. I love how your commandments judge me because the judgment of God is only to remove darkness and increase light every single time. A lot of people are wary of judgment. They say, don't judge me, bro. You don't know me. You don't know my heart. The word of God searches all men's hearts, it is written. You don't have to know each other's hearts, although you will when you walk as Christ, for he knew what was inside their hearts, it is written. You can know the word and speak the language of the word of God out of your spirit, and it will cleanse and heal your souls and all souls around you, and it will separate the souls of the tares from the souls of the wheat, which is what's happening right now in Christianity. Tares are souls that are only serving God for personal interest. They don't care about the Father. They only care about themselves, and so they use the covenant religion in the old and the new and abuse it as thieves. Now, Jesus said it'd be like 50% of Christians. This isn't just Red Letter Ministries making stuff up in 2023. This is Christ in the Red Letters. He said it'd be 50% goats and 50% sheep. There'd be wheat, tares. He said there'd be two. One taken, one remain. That's 50-50, y'all. Mm-hmm. You are in the midst of half of the people in the covenant religion of Christianity that are servants of demons. I mean, they're mostly the ones that irritate you every single day, and sometimes it's the divine nature that's an irritation before the new wines and intoxication, but oftentimes the enemy is sent to disrupt you, to corrupt you, using and speaking the words of the evil one. In the sower sowing seed parable, what was all the devices of Satan and his angels? Bible tells you, Jesus Christ read letters, words. Words were the corruption of all God's plans for his people's lives. And if you entertain the words of the evil one, and if you listen to scoffers, if you listen to mockers, if you listen to blasphemers, 
that understand not the things of the prophets and the things of the prophetic, nor the apostolic, nor the kingdom of heaven, nor the realm and rings of angels. And you entertain these wicked people's words, they will corrupt your souls. Words make you or break you. Your souls and the existence of the structure of the building of your souls, the Bible says, is based on one thing. Words. Jesus Christ said, your words would be your judges. Now, if the words of God are your judges, whew, you're living in heaven. You've allowed the white throne judgment seat of Christ to purify you, sanctify you, try you, test you, prove you. It's good to be proven. We need to be tried, proven, tested, all these things not offended, to deal with all the pride of our human nature. That's what the devil's kingdom is called in the Bible. You know what the devil's kingdom is called in the Bible? Pride. How much is the demon involved in your life in the exact measure of your current pride, which is a realm in the brain that's unrenewed, where you still live out of self and not the Holy Spirit? The Bible says you only have peace with God, once the brain is controlled by the Holy Spirit, Romans 8, it is written, until the brain is controlled by the Spirit by a constant yielding, which is your daily sacrifice, a reasonable sacrifice to yield to your Creator, instead of the creation, the soul is a creation. You are a soul. You are a created thing. Therefore, if you are not yielded to your Creator, you will always be involved in the demonic all the time. Now that's the vast majority of the nations, y'all. Now we can set the climate, the atmosphere, the weather system of souls, and that's our job as Israel. We are to create the atmosphere of existence in the theater of the earth. If we're not doing it, we're not doing our job. Therefore, we're not yet mature as sons and daughters of the living God. Therefore, we're not like God. God gave us the authority to create. That's the word Elohim. Have I not said you are creators? In English, gods. Same word in Hebrew. Creators and gods, same word. Understand the divine nature is creative. And it uses the Shekinah glory of the word of God. And God wants to use you to create atmospheres. First, in your house, in your room in your apartment, in your car, in your private places, then in your public places, in your personal relationships, then in your public dealing in business. And all these things will be sanctified and great unto the Lord. This is how we practically work for the Lord and not for men. So that we don't work for wages that spoil, which means if it's not dedicated to the Lord, guys, has no eternal value, it's vain laboring. We get into a place where we have no vanity, no earthly working. It's all sanctified for the Lord. We literally serve the Lord with our hands and our heads. That's what Revelation says is the removal of the mark of a human being, which is hell inside the Christian's brain and hand. For most do dead works until the Word of God separates the flesh from the soul. Hebrews 4.12 The word of God must separate first flesh from soul. 
then the Word of God must separate soul from spirit. To serve God in spirit, because God is spirit, therefore we serve Him in spirit and in truth. And we become faithful priests to God by separating ourselves progressively from the ways of Satan and pride into the ways of the Lamb of God and humility. Learning righteousness takes a great humility. Most can't hear it, if you haven't noticed. Most are opposed to it. Why? Because their mind is controlled by the spirit of Satan, and yet they believe in Jesus. So an infant in Christ is not circumcised of mind, which means their mind is not under control of the spirit of God, but the spirit of religion, oftentimes the spirit of rebellion, or the spirit of the world, the spirit of Babylon. Until this mind is controlled by the Holy Ghost, we are wrestling against God and we do not have our new names. So what is the wrestling with God to find Jacob's ladder? The narrow pathway up into the heavenlies that we must all walk on in our final new covenant exodus? It is the wrestling out of everything in our human hearts and our human minds. The Holy Spirit's with you as a sanctifier, Mekadeshim. Yad, hey, vav, hey, Mekadeshim. I am the Lord your God who sanctifies you and sets you apart from other nations, that you may be a holy nation unto God. How will we be different from the other nations, they asked. Because my glory will be your clothing. The wedding garments of the Lamb are in the Old Covenant. And the wedding garments of the Lamb are in the New Covenant. The garments of God have always been the same. The garments of God is the glory wrapping you because your hearts are circumcised. You know, to follow God in the Old Testament, obviously external circumcision wasn't enough. Nearly a hundred, a million, nearly a million died in the wilderness after they were circumcised. Circumcision, external sanctification, I mean, it's a good start. You know what that's likened to in the New Covenant? Water baptism. I've been water baptized. Here's my certificate. You know, happy for you. We really are. I love water baptism. It's like going swimming. It's wonderful. I love water. You can do it in a hot tub. This is our baptismal tank, but it uh, it's actually a hot tub. Amen. Amen. Stay in there as long as you want. Hot tub <laughs> baptism glory. Actually, when I go in the spirit Put realm... the jets on. It'll blast the ruach into yeah, your bones. Yeah, sometimes when I go into the spirit realm, the learn with the Lord and these, you know, the what do they call them? I don't know the technical term that people call them. It's not a dream. It's not quite like a vision. It's like that interactive. You're there. You're conscious. You're not in your body, but you're with the spirit. And it's it's... It resembles a dream or a vision, but it's like an interactive playground and, and a movie, but it's, uh, you know, minimum three dimensions, sometimes more, where you can interact and, and talk and ask questions and look at things and, and you're conscious of them and you remember it when you come back to your body. But oftentimes when I'm in those kinds of experiences with the Lord, uh, when my body is sleeping uh, and it's separate from a dream or a vision, when I'm in those things, it's actually very common for me to have a, a hot tub experience. Like there's a place of rest. There's a relaxation to sit and enjoy the warm, uh, the hot waters and relax and think about the things that you just interacted and talk about all those things that you just learned. And it's very restful. 
It's very healing for the spirit. And it's just, it's a place of contemplating those mysteries that you just explored and looked at and saw and, and did, or the spirit tells you to look at something or do something, you obey. And so you explore these different things and then there's a place of contemplation and rest. And so I want to impart that uh, in this word form to our hearers. And if that sounds like something that you'd be interested in doing, you know, talk to the Holy Spirit today, talk to the Holy Spirit tonight. And so I want to go on adventures with you. You know, let my sleep not just be sleep. Let me be awake while I sleep in spirit. And let this be a time of learning, communication, communion. And I'll give you a key. And here's a key for activation, easy key for activation that anyone can do, regardless of your uh, heights, your levels, your age, and the spirit or anything. This is a very simple activation. When you go to bed and then you wake up, if anything that you remember about your dreams, whether it feels positive or negative or anything in between, and even if you can't remember a dream, write down what if you remember how you felt or how you felt when you wake up. And keep a journal, whether it's written or electronic, and faithfully write it down every morning. You say, oh, I don't have time. Well, set your alarm, go to bed 15 minutes early, set your alarm 15 minutes early, and there's 15 minutes. Do that every day for a few weeks. Do that over the next couple of months, and I think you'll be surprised. And uh, when you go to sleep, this is your second key, when you go to sleep at night, don't go to bed just for your body, right? Living as an external, oh, I, my body is tired, I need sleep, I'm going to bed for sleep. Change your mindset every time you're going to bed. It's, oh, I'm excited, this is my time to commune with the Lord. Uh, going into the Psalms, you know, maybe you need to lay on your bed and feel sorry for your thoughts that day. That's biblical. And, you know, it's a time of reflection, repentance pressing in, waiting on the Lord, and just simply gazing at Him or meditating on the scriptures that you've looked at that day. And so you're putting your focus on Him. So you do those two things. So you're doing that before you go to bed, and you're doing that when you wake up. Faithful with the small things, and He's going to start to increase those experiences so that you're not just wasting time sleeping as just like an animal right, the animal part of the soul, or just an out, at outward external man or woman, but it's productive time. Your body's resting and recharging, getting what it needs, but your, your spirit and your soul are receiving revelation, impartation, uh, mysteries, the unfolding of those things. It's productive time for building up your spirit and getting to know the Lord. So then when you wake up, you have, you know, he might tell you the future, things that are to come. He might reveal it to you, mysteries that are going to change your life. For you to walk in a greater anointing, a greater power. But more importantly than that, to walk in a greater humility and love just by simply being consciously in more proximity to the Holy Ghost. To the Spirit of Jesus Christ and to your Father. So as you spend that time with him, he is the sword. Or you spend that time listening to him, he's the word, he's the sword. It circumcises you. And so day and night, constant circumcision, healing, changing the way you think, changing the way 
we perceive all things hidden and open. And that's when those books begin to open up to you. That's when those things that we think we've believed a certain way for so many years or so much time, we begin to be a little more flexible with God, letting go of how we think, right? Because what did Bob Jones say? Our idols are what? Our ideas of how we think God is going to do it. So, like Brandon said, we wrestle with God. And as he unveils his word to us and circumcises us, he circumcises us by communicating with us. It's just communication. Communion with God circumcises you, for he is the word of God. Razor sharp, double-edged sword. And so, continually allowing us to receive more of him. And the old you decreases, and the new you starts to come forth. And he starts to unveil his plans, not just for you, but for others and for you. His plan for the cats. His plans for your brothers and sisters on a cosmic level. His plans for the world on a world scale. What his thoughts are. What are the, the, the things of God the Father's heart that he's looking at? Where is his eye? Where is his mind, his heart? What are those things that he's talking about, thinking about, pondering in his heart? And to share in that a beautiful thing. Hinder not the cats from coming to me, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Wow. <laughs> oh, yes. yes. One of her friends, the other cats, was watching her on TV the other day, a little starburst that used to live here with her. It was so cute. They said the, the other cat, he was climbing up onto the TV stand trying to get into the TV like a portal to come say hi. So, oh, nice. so your friend Starburst okay. was saying hi. Yeah. And Starburst, if you're watching this right now. I prayed for audio, audio video help, and God sent me this. <laughs> How, here's a cat. <laughs> she rubs her head on the knobs. Good job. That's how, that's how we can help. <laughs> oh, yes. I can have salvation. Yes. Yes, you can. <laughs> mm -hmm. The anointing of Meow Meow. Meow. But I will raise up for myself a faithful cat. Ah, faithful in all the house. <laughs> well, ever increasing. <laughs> Hi. First Samuel 2, 35. Mm. I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and in my soul. And I will build him a permanent and enduring house. And he will walk before my anointing forever. Mm. So, God has set apart believers in Jesus, a Christian race. Do you know that Christianity is a race since you're born mm. of God? <laughs> yeah, a lot of fa false Christianity out there, but the truth is you become the Christian race, which is His royal priesthood, a people set apart to serve him faithfully. And so we don't know how to serve him faithfully after we're born again. We have to learn these things. A lot of people are not interested in changing from their culture 
from their family traditions, even their family religions, to serve God faithfully. So we have a remnant that is learning how to serve God faithfully. We were seeing visions and dreams of some of the remnant that was faithful to walk in with the apostolic calling and destiny and Red Letter Ministries and some of the celestial rewards that God and His angels had prepared for those who are faithful. There will be people that God has shown us that will be greatly rewarded in the kingdom age Mm -hmm. just because they were faithful walking with us. Yeah, I saw that last night in one of the interactive visions. One of the last things after we did all the different interactions and the learning and talking about all kinds of different mysteries of stuff, you know, the kingdom, just really fun stuff with the Holy Ghost. The very end, when I was sitting in the hot tub at the end, out by the little hot tub area and just relaxing, I got to see the inheritance. It's so much deeper than probably what I could uh, explain to you and what I saw because it was so rich. And you know how dimensions are a lot deeper in the invisible realm. But I saw the inheritance of the sons of God. And the Spirit showed me and he said, Look, here are, here's the inheritance of the ones who are going to walk faithfully with you in uh, Red Letter Ministries. You know, the, they, the ones who are faithful and loyal that walk with Brendan and I. And it's not just, oh, well, you know, just a man and a woman and blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, David was just a man. Elijah, it's written, it was just a man. But he prayed. and No one born again is yeah, just, just a man or a woman. You're mm-hmm. born of God. Yeah. So it's walking with God when you're walking with the born again part of a person. Especially right. if they grow that part up, mm-hmm. you're walking with Jesus. Right. And now keep in mind that it... Um, Holding Moses' past against him was not good enough reason. People murmured against Moses and died. And look at Moses' past. I mean, he's got a, he's got, you know, praise felon Moses. He had a felony on his Moses record. Moses did 10 years in prison. He, and he was a murderer. And that prison, being in prison, was separate from his murder. And he was divorced. And he was divorced, yeah. Did you know that? He was a divorced murderer who spent 10 years a in prison. A divorced murderer prisoner but people who fought him and tried to offer strange fire got eaten up and swallowed the holiest person in the world the holiest person in the world yeah and that is absolutely the truth and people's big problem they got in trouble was for talking about his new wife that he got they're like what how can he be with this person but anyway it's just god god's ways are not our ways a fascinating mystery is that in Mm -hmm. zipporah's garden is where the staff and the rod of eden was kept mm-hmm. and it was passed down from Noah to Shem and if you study Jasher it somehow got into Rule's garden and that's in Rule's prison is where Moses did 10 years of prison so mm-hmm. the prison and the rod of righteousness are 20 feet from each other yeah it's like literally right there but, <laughs> and people might say oh well it was Rule's garden wasn't it Rule's righteousness no, Zipporah, if you read the word, was credited as righteous, as righteous as Sarah and Rebecca. And I think they mentioned a few others, too. But um, she was credited with righteousness, where Raul, he had a wrong judgment about Moses. He listened to what the spirit of Jezebel slandered Moses about. That his, came from his... He listened to the ex-wife, his, yeah. the queen of the Cushites. Yeah. He listened to that word uh, for, about it, you know, his ex-wife, his divorce, his, you know... Maybe, you know, there's all kinds of stuff about, you know, though he was a slave of the king of Egypt, people talk about he ran away because, you know, he murdered somebody, you know. It was all that kind of stuff. And, uh, but Zipporah was the one who was credited with righteousness. 
Now, if it was Raul's righteousness, he would not have imprisoned Moses. And that's the point. Yeah, he, he learned, definitely he, sinned. He did. <laughs> but he got forgiven, and he even came around with really good advice later and on. Moses didn't hold a grudge no, at all. not at all. He wasn't even, wasn't even offended by it. Yeah. Just incredible. Really humble man. <laughs> really, really humble man. And then, you know, uh, Zipporah's dad, he came, he came around. Just like we talked about on yesterday's bar, how uh, you mentioned he gave him great advice for leadership, uh, for, you know, delegating the task and having you know, the 70 elders and things like that. So Because I really feel it's prophetic this season of coming out of the rumors, the gossip, the slander mm-hmm. of the influence of the principality of Jezebel mm-hmm. against Red Letter Ministries that's incarcerated 10 years in Rule's Garden because of the yeah. words of Satan. Into the place of the faithful remnant represented in Zipporah that Mm -hmm. fed him bread while he was in prison, which were the partners, while we were publicly continuously slandered. Mm -hmm. And then the stepping into the destiny of the apostleship of the leadership of Israel in the rod of righteousness that's in the garden. Nobody could uproot that stick from Rule's garden. They all wanted it. The thing is, they wanted it. They could see it there. They want it was there, but no one could wield it. And it was like Excalibur. You can you could not pull it out unless you had the right anointing, unless you were the right person. So Moses goes and he pulls the stick of righteousness. I think it's called the sapphire stick in Jasher, which was the only piece Adam was allowed to take with him out of the Garden of Eden when man fell. Now, this is the truth, guys. That was the same staff that separated and parted the Red Sea. It was the Garden of Eden represented in the stick, symbolizing the cross of Jesus Christ that performed the first exodus. Where is this stick now? In you. That stick in you is the cross of Christ and His blood in your hearts, renewing your minds. That's your upward exodus. But the path of Moses is likened to most paths of righteous men and women. You have to deal with the enemy, the counterfeit kingship, the counterfeit queenship, and you'll deal with all their words. And when you overcome them, then you get the rod, you get the authority, you get the power, you get the mantling, you get the angel armies, you get the destiny. That's why scripture says, endure hardships. And don't grow weary in well-doing, for in an appointed time, God will bring forth a harvest of righteousness. You know what a harvest of righteousness is? Angels. Because righteousness is angelic realms of the heavenlies. It will bring forth power of the heavenly realm of God's glory into your souls because you've endured the enemy. You've overcome and conquered. That's why it's written, only are they blessed when they overcome and conquer. Revelation 2 and 3, nine times. No one is actually blessed until they conquer. What are you conquering? All that is in the world. All the works of the devil. All the devil's Christianity. All the devil's charismatic Christianity, which is the most deceiving thing he's ever created, but the Bible says that's what he's coming as, as the Antichrist in the end times. He's coming with a form of charismatic Christianity under the false prophet, with lying signs and wonders. 
here's how you simply identify it. It'll just be God outside minded, bewitchment, charismatic, voodoo, doo doo. It'll just be all the charismatic stuff without the person on the inside even known to the worker of the charismatic giftings. That's the Antichrist. But apart from me, you didn't form me in your heart. It is written, red letters. Jesus Christ said, because you did not develop me inside of you and just had my stuff upon you, you're going to hell for eternity, is what Jesus Christ told those charismatic Christians. Now, if we make Jesus the priority of our heart, then it's not about the stuff. It's not about the stick. The testing of Moses, the testing of Joseph, the testing of your character is the testing to see if God's stuff will become idolatry to you. Few have ever overcome it. Will God be your God or will God's stuff be your God? You know stars and lights and gold and glory is God's stuff? All this external Christianity, for the most part, is God's stuff. Christianity and Christ, they are different. Is it about the stuff? Is it about the appearance? Is it about just being clean in your mind? Or is it about serving God while everyone around you says you're unclean, which is a little persecution you'll go through if you actually become a real Christian? <laughs> so you're tested and tried and proved constantly in your hearts and in your minds to see if the prize of Jesus is good enough for you or if you need just something else. Jesus is not enough for you. We have to go into self-servience, our own opinions and ideas, our religiosity, our greed, our covetousness, our lust, our pride, our, our knowledge. See, Jesus comes in the form that challenges your pride. He's not coming in a form where it's like, oh, so easy for the sinner to accept. The sin has to reject it, otherwise it's not God. If there's no friction between the sin and the message, it's not even the gospel. There needs to be a confrontation that represented in the sacrificial offerings. It's kind of like you have the living creature there. You have the bull offering, you have the goat offering, you have the sheep offering. They're confronted with knife and blood. So it is when the gospel confronts sin in your blood, in your brains, in your hearts, and in your bowels. There's a confrontation. Who's going to win? Are you going to back off of the knife of God? God's knife is called His Word, Hebrews 4.12, which is the ministry of the priesthood of God the Father. The ministry of the Word of God is a knife, sharper than any two-edged blade. Okay? So... You choose if you allow the knife to cut you up and rearrange everything in you through a sword of a spirit that's not yourself nor convenient to the human nature. A priesthood set apart for him to be a faithful priest. Now this is dealing with the priesthood, which is dealing with the death of the animal and the sacrificial system. But I will raise up for myself a, face, a faithful priest, 1 Samuel 2.35. What is a faithful priest? Someone who's faithful to the blade against the animal at all times. Saul lost his kingdom and was sentenced to hell by God because he was faithful to the animal, even Agag, 
even all of the sheep and oxen that they said they were going to sacrifice to the Lord. But it was a sacrifice to himself and to convenience and to pleasure that caused him to lose salvation. You will not find Saul in heaven, but in hell for eternity. Because he rejected the sword and served the animal. So shall it be for Christians that reject the sword and embrace the animal in their forehead and in their hand. During these days, this standard is raised. It's beyond fire insurance. It's beyond just confessing Jesus is Lord. That's not enough. Just the entrance into the believing and faith in Jesus is not enough. You also must be sanctified. You also must become a faithful priest. Now, we should not have a lower standard than that, but because we don't really know the New Covenant priesthood, I don't think it's been taught yet. I don't think the standard has been raised in Christianity, whereas Christians are thought of as priests towards animals dying, like the priesthood of the Old Testament. That's not what Christianity is in our culture, is it? Christianity in our culture is, oh, they're nice people, or oftentimes they have a bad reputation of being hypocrites. Whatever. The issue is, the very thought about Christianity is not even close to the accuracy of what Scripture says we are to be as priests, which means men and women with spiritual knives dealing with spiritual animals. Okay, that's all the priest ever did. Now, we need to be a celestial priesthood, but you'll deal with it first in the natural, then in the spiritual, first in the terrestrial, then in the celestial. Which means you'll be killing beasts below and above. Where? In your hearts and in your minds. A hypocrite is someone who kills others' beasts, but doesn't kill their own. Pharisees are hypocrites. They judge others, but they don't judge themselves. To be a Christian, you have to pick up your cross and follow him daily, which means first I use the sword on my own beasts. What's your beast? Your animal blood? Everything's swimming in it. Your blood is the carrier of thoughts from your spirit. There's clean and unclean blood in human beings. Clean blood in human beings can't get sick. You can get so clean by the Holy Ghost that you're impenetrable to disease, to poverty, to demons, to hell, to curses. As it is written in Scripture, no divination can work against Jacob, Israel, which means there's a protection in the bloodline. There's a protection in the bloodline of Jesus. The genealogies of the Old Testament are now fulfilled in the genealogies of Christ, and you too are called to be members of that tree. It's a family tree of generations of people that serve a bloodline, and the blood is the carrier of the thoughts of the deity. Blood carries the thoughts of the deity. Therefore, the blood was put over the doorposts representing the mind, which were the thoughts controlled by the Passover lamb, which was Jesus Christ, or yad heh vav in the Old Testament. Jesus Christ is Yahweh. Okay? So, they had their God's blood over their doorposts, and of the sides of the doorposts, representing an all-consuming God to the left and to the right and to above, to serve Him with all their souls, their spirit, their flesh, their house, and everything in it. And the enemy 
they had only their own blood on the doorpost, didn't they? The Egyptians had their Egyptian blood over the doorpost. The Israelites had Passover lamb over the doorpost. This will be the separation of Christians in these days, whose minds are covered in Jesus' blood, whose minds are covered in their own human blood. Human blood is Egypt. You can't get more cursed than being a human being. You can't get more blessed than getting born again. Born again is no longer a human being. 2 Corinthians 5.17 I have made all things new. Which means a true born again person is no longer a human being. That people even think that shows you how low the teaching is in Christianity right now. It completely contradicts scripture. You're new creatures. You're divine beings. Now we need to learn how to act like it. We've been in slavery, now we got to learn freedom. There was a freedom to be learnt of all Israel coming out of Egypt. And the slavery was so ingrained into them, they constantly turned back in their hearts. So do we. The slavery of Babylon, which is the external hypnotism of potent sorcery, which is false light, false love, false kindness, false fruits of the Spirit, most deceptively, false charismatic Christianity. That's why we have an external Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's like, I'm right here inside you. You see that meme we posted? Come Holy Spirit, the person's brain saying, and the Holy Ghost, there's a dove in their belly. He's like, what? I'm right here. Out of your belly and flow rivers of the Holy Ghost for those who know Him, those who yada Him, those who are God-inside-minded are the remnant. We want the remnant to grow and raise the standard so that everyone can know their God and do great exploits. First and foremost, there must be an en masse repentance from God outside-minded bewitchment in this generation to know Christ in you and realize the glory, Colossians 1.27, and only after you've realized the glory and become God inside-minded can you even begin to go from glory to glory. And once you go from glory to glory, then you are trained in the new covenant priesthood and the sacrificial system of dealing with beasts and the sacrificial system of sacrificing financial offerings, which is clearly the offerings given to the apostles in the book of Acts. We shall rejoice when we learn God's ways. We will have freedom, abundant life, the realm of our souls will be so infused with angelic ecstasy and angelic power and angelic authority. God is not discipling us because he's a disciplinarian. This is not just a natural military for some kind of general to have his way against enemies. This is for your good that you learn God's ways. God is not doing this to just to be a bully to put power on you and control you. That's religion, guys. God is revealing the ways that are the most excellent. Isn't that what scripture says? 1 Corinthians 12, 31. And yet I will show you the most excellent way that surpasses, that overcomes, and that conquers them all. It is written. What's that way? The way of agape divine love, which is the way of the staff of righteousness. It's the way of that stick from the Garden of Eden that Moses wielded. And Moses prophesied, there will be another man like me, the prophet, he's called. 
the prophet. And this prophet will be the prophet, which means God. And if you study that out, it refers to deity. It's not talking about a man being a prophet there. It's talking about the Messiah as a prophet. And Moses said, he'd be like me. He'll be wielding the scepter of righteousness. He'll be wielding cosmic power and ability of angel armies. Pontius Pilate said, so you are a king. I could ask my father and he would send how many legions of angels right now? So what was the determining factor between Pontius Pilate and the Messiah to establish his kingship? Did he have armies? Did he have angel armies was the only thing in question to see if he truly was a king. So it is with you. We call ourselves kings, kids. That's a common phrase in Christianity. We're a royal priesthood and a holy nation. We're kings and priests to our God. Kingship, 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 biblical factor. Where's the angel armies? Angel armies is the only thing in scripture that reveals if you are kings or not. Now you can be kings in training. You can be princes. You're of a royal seed line. You're born of God's sperm, First John says. So you, you have the royalty there, the potential for royalty. But God will not give the kingdom and the power and the armies just because you're born again to you. There has to be a training for the reigning. There has to be a place where we come into the faithful priesthood. Notice it is written, I will raise up. Which means if there's no raising, there's no faithfulness. What does it mean to be raised up? Resurrected. What does it mean to be a faithful priest? There must be those that are raised from the dead. Faithful priest in the earth dimension is not a faithful priest in God's dimension. That's human opinion. You will judge by your eyes and be wrong 100% of the time until you judge by the Holy Spirit in the spirit of discernment. And you'll judge through the blood of the Lamb and the divine nature with zero humanity mixed in with it. We mix our judgment with human judgment. Therefore, you are unjust judges, Psalms 82, and the foundations of your worlds are out of order, which means it's not the order of righteousness. It's not God's kingdom. You're not even in the kingdom, and yet you all believe in Jesus, Psalms 82. That's what it says. My judges just unjudgely. Why? Because they judge out of their humanity. The divine nature is not raised up in them. But I will raise up for myself a faithful priest, a raising, a resurrecting, a training, an upward heavenly calling. It's God in your spirit raising you up from faithful to faithful. You will never be rewarded in heaven until you're proven faithful in rising, which means you'll be friends and faithful to the others who've risen before you. There won't be strife anymore because you'll count the cost before you go to war. It'll be an honor amongst those raised to be faithful priests. So the remnant will all be faithful priests. God will have a nation of priests. Does he have a nation of priests now? No, he doesn't. He has the possibility of it in the God sperm genetics in their bellies, but most haven't even done anything with it at all. Nearly all believers are bewitched right now, which means there's no potential to even become priests. If you're in the human mind, your priesthood is actually a warfare 
against the true faithful priests. As you've noticed, most Christian ministries completely, violently, viciously oppose me. I don't oppose them, but if you notice, they viciously, violently, slanderously attack and oppose me. Why? Because they're not raised up. They live out of the humanity of their forehead. Truth anyhow. Now, if they get the training, I'm sure we could be friends once their forehead is circumcised. But just because you have a big ministry, just because you have a big following, doesn't mean anything to God unless his sword and his knife are continuously used upon the person. The person is usually a false leader. Even if they have a great zeal for God, you see it constantly. Why? I tell you the truth. Because the new covenant priesthood has not accurately yet been taught in the world. It hasn't. Notice there were 400 years between Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the patriarchs, and Moses. Which means it wasn't laid down in paper for 400 years. People just had all their own opinions about the patriarchs were all royalty. They constantly opposed Moses because it was like he was teaching them what the covenant was. We're like in the days of slavery before the new Moseses, the new covenant Moseses, laid down in paper what Christianity even is. For the most part, that's true. We have the elementary stuff in the epistles. For the most part, it's all elementary. And it will always be the truth. And it is scripture. But we have not gone into the maturity of the books of the sons of God. Acts 29. And there will be other things written down in these days in the wisdom of the ages that will be an, a growing and a maturing of the planting of the seed of the apostles of the first century. They will never contradict. It will simply be a maturing of it. And thanks be to God we have the book of Revelation which brings some real maturity in there in the celestial realm so it opens the door into the heavenlies so you know it's biblical and accurate. Amen. And when we learn these things like Moses in these days, then the nation and all of their opinions of their human nature will be burned away by the sword. Moses introduced the sacrificial system. You know that? They just had their own ideas and their own opinions, their own altars in their backyard. Didn't they? Yeah? They just had their own hills. I have my own Christianity. I have my own family's walk. That's how it was until Moses came. And the reason why they violently opposed him and had self-rule is because no one had governed them and taught them God's ways. That's kind of how the wild, wild west of Christianity is today. So we're going to have literally lawgivers from Zion, not Sinai, New Covenant, which is Zion, to do away with the lawlessness that is rampant in Christianity, to learn accurately the New Covenant priesthood with the same authority and even a greater authority than Moses. So pray for the apostles of your generation to come into the maturity of Moses. Because most of them are still incarcerated right now. Most of them are still in rules jail. Not so much physically, but mentally because of where the people's hearts are and how undeveloped in the God sperm genetics. There's only one thing that can get them out of jail, and that's cosmic bread of righteousness. How did Zipporah already have that righteousness 
cosmically accredited to her when she didn't pull the sapphire stick out of the ground. It's that proximity to eating of the invisible, that substance emanating from that yad he vav he, Christ himself who formed all things, that thing that was taken out of the perfect garden of Eden, to till the soil is now what tills the soil of the hearts. She allowed that stick in proximity, and I've seen in the spirit realm, I watched her go into the garden. She goes into the garden and she prays. How is it that when she talked to her father to go check after 10 years to see if he was still alive, if Moses was still alive, she went on to preach to him about the God of Abraham, of Isaac and Jacob, and on all these ways. She'd learned the ways of God, the stories of God, his people, and how he was a deliverer of his people. That stick tilled her heart until it became formed inside of her. That is what allowed her to impart that bread when she gave him physical bread. Remember, whatever is done on the earth below, there's always something corresponding in the heavens above. Always. There's always a correspondence above and below. These are the shadows of things that happen in the invisible realm. That bread could only be given to him to sustain him if she had brought cosmic bread from the staff of righteousness. And how are you going to go, you might ask, from Mount Sinai to sapphire stones to the God-inside-minded realm of glory to the true mountain of Mount Zion, heavenly Jerusalem? The very top of Mount Sinai is where Moses encountered sapphire stones. It's an ascension of understanding the creator within who created all things. That portal between the natural and the invisible, that is what takes you all of a sudden you're Mount Sinai, Mount Sinai until you're not, you're in sapphire stones. That is Mount Tabor, the transfiguration of Jesus Christ. And who was there? Moses and Elijah. And Enoch was there, but they don't talk about it. It's not written. It's written in sapphire stones in the heavens, but you'll have to go into those sapphire stones to read it, to see it, to watch it. If all the things that Jesus did were written in earthly books, the whole earth could not physically contain it. But I tell you the truth, just one sapphire stone contains enough word and words and books in each book to fill many universes. And simply by gazing and by eating, consuming that word, it begins to unfold that infinity, that Ein Sof within you to come forth. Now, just a, a quick word of encouragement for you. 
because you might be looking at your external circumstances, your external situations, and I want to encourage you. God does not look at the outward appearance, but he looks at the heart. When everyone looked at the external appearance of King Saul, he had a goodly appearance. It said his countenance, well, his, he had a goodly appearance. The older sons of Jesse, what did they have? They had a good countenance. Oh, is their countenance looks good. That's on the front of their face, the front of their soul. I must be able to judge, even Samuel, the seer prophet, misjudged by looking at the eyes, right? The windows to the soul, look at that countenance, surely, king? No. And God said, he's not looking at the countenance. He's looking at the heart. He's looking at the heart. Little David out there. The spirit. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> you see it? And look at the external circumstances. What was written about Job? He was considered perfect in righteousness. It is written before his physical afflictions. You don't hardly see a worse case scenario externally than Job. Every bit of his countenance, his appearance, his health, his relations with his family, his honor and favor with others just went into the dirt. But even before that, he was credited with perfect righteousness. So I want to encourage someone today. Whatever judgments that people have against you, from the appearance of how things look like they're going in your life, consider Job. You be in right standing with God. There may be a season of affliction where the devil has been granted permission to afflict you for a time. The devil will throw some of you into prison for 10 days. Well, that happened to Moses, didn't it? 10 days, 10 years. But when your time comes and you've been tested and proved, whether it's been sickness or disease, or you've lost favor or family members, maybe family members have died, you've been through trauma, You've seen your life fall apart. Be encouraged. These men and women of God who were in right standing with God despite the countenance of their face. Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Even King David said, anointed with the horn of Samuel. I'm wasting away. Your day is coming if you faint not. If you do not grow weary and well-doing, there is a day coming, the day of your unveiling as a son of God. Because in those critical moments, you must choose the narrow path. You must choose despite whatever the outside looks like, whatever people say to you, whatever your condition that I will do and say that which is right, upright and just. For those who are led by the Spirit of God, those are the sons of God. And then they say, well, your, your soul is downcast. Your countenance, that can't be righteousness. What happened to your favor? Surely, 
he lost his favor with everyone. Surely his, his family members died. That can't be the man of God. But what is the spirit of the living God within you saying? There is a day coming as you've humbled yourself to the living God, humbled yourself before men, that he is going to lift you up at your appointed time to shine. The day of vindication. That day of your angels that have been standing by your side are celebrating with you, your true friends celebrating with you at the brightness of your rising. Each and every one of you that goes all the way will get to have your moment, your moment to shine, your moment to be the hero of that thing that God has called you to do, that thing that nobody else but you can do, that you've been called to. Don't leave it laying around. Don't leave it for someone else to pick up. You walk in it. Now, this is the verse that he has for you today. This is from Baruch. A faithful friend is a strong defense, and he that hath found such an one hath found a treasure. Nothing doth countervail a faithful friend. And his excellency is invaluable. A faithful friend is the medicine of life. And they that fear the Lord shall find him. Whoso feareth the Lord shall direct his friendship aright. For as he is, so shall his neighbor be also. And listen to this carefully. Because this is the path of your learning wisdom. How it begins is not the same as how it ends. So you can't look at the external things. You give those to God, but li listen closely. My son, gather instruction from thy youth up, so shalt thou find wisdom till thine own old age. Come unto her as one that ploweth and soweth, and wait for her good fruits. For thou shalt not toil much in laboring about her, but thou shalt eat of her fruits right soon. She is very unpleasant to the unlearned. This is how it starts. Wisdom. She is very unpleasant to the unlearned. This is how we all start. He that is without understanding will not remain with her. That is why it's written, get understanding, get wisdom wisdom she will lie upon him as a mighty stone of trial and he will cast her from her ere it be long for wisdom is according to her name and she is not manifest unto many give ear my son receive my advice and refuse not my counsel and put thy feet into her fetters the fetters of wisdom and thy neck into her chain Bow down thy shoulder, and bear her, and be not grieved with her bonds. Come unto her with thy whole heart. Be not grieved with her bonds, a bond servant, a bond slave, in chains and fetters under wisdom. Come unto her with thy whole heart, and keep her ways with all thy power. And listen to this. Search and seek, and she shall be made known unto thee. And when thou hast got hold of her, let her not go. 
for at the last, in the end, thou shalt find her rest, and that shall be turned to thy joy. Then, after trial, then shall her fetters be a strong defense for thee, and her chains a robe of glory. For there is a golden ornament upon her, and her bands are a purple lace. Thou shalt put her on as a robe of honor, and thou shalt put her about thee as a crown of joy. My son, if thou wilt, thou shalt be taught, and if thou wilt apply thy mind, thou shalt be prudent. If thou love to hear, thou shalt receive understanding. And if thou bow thine ear, thou shalt be wise. Stand in the multitude of elders, and cleave unto him that is wise. Be willing to hear every godly discourse, and let not the parables of understanding escape thee. And if thou seest a man of understanding, get thee betimes unto him, and let thy foot wear the steps of his door. Let thy mind be upon the ordinances of the Lord and meditate continually. In his commandments, he shall establish thine heart and give thee wisdom at thine own desire. Amen. Faithfulness and wisdom seems to be what the Spirit saying to the churches tonight. Grow in faithfulness and grow in wisdom. Genesis 5.22 Enoch walked faithful, faithfully with God, and then he couldn't be found because God took him from this life. Only one prerequisite in Genesis 5. Faithfulness. Scripture literally says you can't walk with God until you're faithful. That means to other believers and God, because God's in other believers. <laughs> if you mistreat other believers, you are mistreating God and you're unfaithful, which means you're not walking with Him. Can you no longer be Christians through unfaithfulness? Yes, absolutely. Many have no longer become Christians because of unfaithfulness to God and God inside other born-again believers. Now, Revelation 19 says, Two things are written on the King of kings and Lord of lords. Right where he walks, his legs. Faithful and true. So the faithfulness is to walk upward and inward to Jesus, to the King of glory. So the reason why it's so important is you can't rise from the dead until you have this loyalty. Now I want to challenge you here, because if you read Ephesians, Ephesians says you can't even be a Christian, born again or saved, unless you have this attribute. This is not an optional thing to salvation. This is a prerequisite. Here it is written, Ephesians 1.1, Paul, an apostle, special messenger, personally chosen representative of Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed, 
by the will of God that is his purpose and his choice to the saints God's people who are at Ephesus and are faithful which means Ephesians is not to the unfaithful only to the faithful which means the Bible is not to the unfaithful it's to the faithful only amen God's word is to the faithful only and faithfulness is also Galatians chapter 5 a fruit of the Spirit so anyone who loves God will become faithful progressively like Enoch and will walk higher and higher through one prerequisite faithfulness faithfulness is the ability or you could say the key to learning wisdom Rebecca was talking about all of the wisdom of God you are to learn faithfulness is the key up into learning wisdom without it you can't go up you can't walk with God you can't even be saved or Christian none of it so first and foremost that you must be rock-solid faithful then the school of wisdom and great wisdom becomes your classroom amen so it's choosing to become God's own children first the training doesn't come to those that are wishy-washy or flippant or irreverent or unfaithful and don't bring sacrifice don't don't bring offerings have no loyalty no faithfulness they're never gonna be in the classroom they'll be outside the classroom they'll be pestering you talking about the things of God trying to waste your time until you're faithful you're not even a child of God truly that's exactly what it says until you're faithful you're not even God's child once you're faithful then the fathering of the child is available that's our test first we have all the charismatic stuff we got the understanding of the glory coming in the understanding of really high level celestial mysticism training and righteousness but we don't have much faithfulness to do much with it yet in order to be a student of this classroom of great wisdom it will require great faithfulness and I know there's a remnant and I'm very thankful for you and I thank God for you all the time but it is not many when the many get faithful in the higher things then the higher wisdom will be taught you and it will come with a greater honor and a reverence and a loyalty to God and God formed inside each other in the same classroom of righteousness mm -hmm. Some of you are going into the training of the parables and the wisdom language of God because in part we speak in parables and riddles of these deeper mysteries. There are many, if you go through the videos that we've made so far, there are many mysteries and little hints dropped all along the way for you to go much higher. But you, those little things, you grab a hold of it and you go up. God is going to be teaching some of you that mystery language, that language of parables. What we just read, those are the requirements for it to be added to you. That is what differentiates right now. You can lay hold of those things as we speak in parables, in scripture, in Psalms, that you can lay hold of the words of wisdom while it is yet still concealed in a certain measure. 
There are those of you who eat a different Joel's bar than the majority of people viewing because you're learning the language of the mysteries of God. And maybe your mind hasn't caught up all the way yet, but you've been hearing him drawing you deeper. You've been seeing the signs, the symbols, the scriptures pop up from within your belly like rivers of living water when you see it, when you hear it. He reminds you, do you remember this? This is what I told you. And it confirms in your spirit. And even though you might not fully understand, you know that you're growing and you know that he's speaking to you in a new way that he's never spoken to you before. And I'll tell you something, what I saw last night with the Holy Spirit with me, and he showed me a great display of the inheritance of the sons of God. There were certain things that I saw. It would blow your mind if you could see one person could inherit this whole thing. This, and another person can inherit this whole other thing. Beyond my comprehension to even speak it to you in English what it is. But when I saw certain ones, I saw the names of individuals, some of you watching right now. And I said, I know that belongs to them. That's theirs. And it was beyond anything that you could have ever hoped for, dreamed of, thought up, or imagined. I know some of you have a great imagination. But it was absolutely worth everything. And he said, this is their inheritance if they continue with you and with Brandon and Red Letter Ministries because this is not your ministry. This is my ministry. This is the Red Letter Ministry of Jesus Christ, he said to me. And I watched a great display. You'll each have your time of rising and shining as you humble yourself and your time. He's going to lift you up. You're going to have your moment. You're going to have your moment and your time to shine and do that thing that only you can do that you were created to do. But understand, it's only when you're in your office and you're calling your destiny. This is the time to fully put aside looking at others' destinies, others' blessings, others' anointings. There is a grand, a great anointing from the anointed one for you. And if you let go of all those other things, you're going to walk in the fullness of something that has been custom designed just for you. And if you lay hold of it, there is no one else who's going to walk in that. That's for you. He causes each one to rise and to shine at their appointed time. So don't grow weary. Don't grow jealous. Don't grow in any of the fruits of the tree of evil. But keep growing your spirit. Whatever you're going through, if, you're, if it's a season of affliction, endure to the end. If you're in prison for 10 days or 10 years, endure. His righteousness is where the promises are fulfilled physically, spiritually, and naturally in your life. And that is what the modern day church is missing, and that's why it never happens. It happens in little parts, little measures. But overall, there's a large disappointment in glory stream Christianity because cosmic 
righteousness of that sapphire rod is missing. Now you could search the whole earth over to try and find a, this stick. You could see someone else walking in it and get jealous and you're gonna give it to me, it's mine. Well, then you'll go the way of Saul and you'll never achieve your destiny. This is what you must walk in. Jesus Christ within you, himself, the sapphire rod of righteousness, his righteousness, he is our righteousness. And that grows within you, not just one external stick, but the whole tree itself. <laughs> and you become a plant. Zipporah became a plant in that garden. Moses led the people of God. If they had listened and not grumbled or been envious or wrongly judging Moses for his divorce and his new wife, if they had not grumbled against him saying, where is the water we're going to drink? Why did you lead us out here to die? If they had not gotten into competition with Moses and Aaron trying to bring strange fire, if they had listened and not hardened their hearts in the wilderness, when he said, come up the mountain and be made, be made holy, you're not going to be, I'm going to speak this over your life, you are not going to be as the children of the wilderness were. You're going to be a child of the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. Children of the resurrection. Sons of God. And you make that decision in your heart today. I will go up the sapphire stones within. Whatever it takes, whatever it costs, to walk in cosmic righteousness. And be holy as our Father in heaven is holy. Amen. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Partner of the Red Letter Ministries. Father in heaven, I pray for all of our partners to prosper greatly as examples of those that are faithful in the natural. Let them grow in natural blessings and natural prosperities because you are the creator of the natural realm from your invisible glory realm. We thank you for all realms prospering in all of our partners, spirits, souls, minds, and bodies. Prosper even as your soul prospers, as it's being renewed in your mind from animal to Jesus Christ. And let the prosperity of the renewed mind come like a flood from the Garden of Eden, and let them see the whole tree of life and the fruitfulness of God's Spirit from inside their hearts and throughout their souls constantly infused. And I pray, Father, you bring many people into obedience, into a new covenant sacrificial system to learn new covenant ways much more accurately than all the traditions now. Let your ways come forth from the heavens and be taught to the believers. Let them learn them and rise in them. In Jesus' name, we thank you for harvest we thank you for a protection of those pioneering and those rising up in cities and nations all over the world through this Joel's Bar broadcast. We thank you for a people that will raise the standard in their day of the heavenly way in a much greater unknown glory. 
To your name be all the glory, Jesus Christ, our Maker, our Redeemer, and our Brother. Amen.